0: Section 15 of Antonia. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Christine Rucker. October 27, 2021. Antonia by Georges Sand. Translated by George Burnham Eves. Chapter 4, Part 2. Monsieur Antoine spoke in a curiously imperious tone julie was afraid that a refusal would exasperate him you go too fast she said as it happens i am naturally hesitating and timid you must give me time to reflect then you don't say no rejoined the old man evidently flattered by the hope that he was allowed to retain i say nothing replied madame D'Estrelle, who had risen and was walking toward her house with some anxiety at this moment, I am utterly bewildered by an offer which I did not expect. Give me a few days to think, to consult my feelings. Really, I am deeply moved, deeply touched by your friendship, and also very much alarmed, for I had sworn to remain free. Adieu, Monsieur thierry Leave me. I really long to be left alone with my conscience, and I do not want you to try to take it by surprise by your kindness. Julie made her escape, and Uncle Antoine left the garden, forgetting the pavilion, the picture, the lily, everything, and in the throes of a fever of hope, which made him act more like a madman than ever, but when he found himself on the rue de Babillon in front of the pavilion, he was seized with a fierce longing to torment and puzzle and confound his relations. He rang and was admitted by Marcel, who was anxiously awaiting the result of his interview with Julie. "'Well,' he said abruptly, "'where is my plant? Has Master Julien finished my picture?' "'Go into the studio,' said Marcel. "'You will see your picture all finished, and your lily as fresh as if nothing had happened to it.' "'Oh, yes,' muttered Antoine satirically. "'Of course it did it good to be broken.' and he entered the studio with his hat on, without glancing at or seeing his sister-in-law, who was sitting in her little straw armchair in the window recess, thoughtful and downcast. He walked straight to his lily, examined the fracture, and looked carefully at the flower, which was still blooming in the moist earth. Then he looked at the picture of the Antonia, and said, I am satisfied with it, but you shan't have my custom, I tell you, then he walked across the studio passed close to madame thierry and saw her put his hand to the brim of his hat saying in surly tone your servant madame returned to marcel laughed in his face for no apparent cause like a crazy man and at last strode toward the door frantic because he could find nothing to say to satisfy his thirst for revenge without sacrificing the good opinion of his conduct which he wished his fiancee to retain marcel seeing his agitation detained him come come uncle he said we must find out where we are has the comtesse d'estrel obtained our forgiveness or must i sell my office to pay for the damage the comtesse d'estrel replied the old man is a judicious person who knows how to tell the difference between people without brains and a man of sound sense you'll see the proof of it some day or other madame thierry who could not endure her brother-in-law's overbearing manner and who fancied that he meant to defy her rose to go up to her room antoine bowed very slightly and added i didn't say that for your benefit madame andre i have nothing to say to you nor i to you retorted the widow in a tone whose disdainful bitterness she strove in vain to stifle as a matter of prudence and with a curtsey to monsieur antoine she withdrew julien chafed at his bit in silence incapable of humiliating himself by apologies and marcel followed with a keen glance the horticulturist's awkward and excited movements what's the matter uncle he said when madame thierry had gone out You are brooding over something good or something evil. Tell us the truth; that will be the better way. The truth, the truth. Rejoined Monsieur Antoine. We shall see the truth. I and know it when the time comes, and perhaps everybody won't laugh at it. Julien, who was still painting, lost his patience. He put down his palette and, removing the carelessly twisted handkerchief which the painters of that time wore in the studio instead of a cap he walked straight to Monsieur Thierry, and forcibly interrupted his noisy, excited promenade. Then, with a serious and determined expression, he asked him to explain his vague threats. Monsieur, my uncle, he said, you act as if you propose to drive me to extremities, but I shall not, on that account, fail in the respect I owe you. Consider simply i beg you that i am not a child who can be made to tremble by contracting the eyebrows and assuming a deep voice you would do better to observe and understand the real fact that is to say the sorrow which i really feel for having offended you do not ask me how that disaster happened oblivion of one's surroundings absent-mindedness cannot be explained but since the thing is done What do you propose to do to punish me, or what do you require me to do to atone for it? I am ready to prove my repentance or to submit to the consequences of my wrongdoing. Decide and do not threaten any more. That will be more worthy of you and of me. Monsieur Antoine stopped short, apparently unmoved, but in reality greatly mortified by the superiority of the defendant's attitude over the judge's at that moment. He was afraid in a measure of appealing ridiculous, and a diabolical idea suggested itself to his mind as a means of putting an end to his embarrassment. Everything depends on Madame Destrel, he said, if she wishes, if she demands it. I will do all that I had promised to do for your mother, and I will even forgive you, notwithstanding the wicked thing you did, but I will do it on the condition that she comes to my house tomorrow with the rest of you, as promised. But, said Marcel, if everything is made up between you, didn't you remind her just now of the appointment? I am not speaking to you, attorney, retorted Antoine. Do me the favor to leave the room. I want to talk with Master Julien alone. Go on, go on, said Marcel. I am just going, for someone has been waiting in my office for me fully an hour. I will return and find out what you have decided. When Julien and his uncle were alone, the latter assumed an even more comical air of solemnity. Listen, he said, I want you to do an errand for me. You must go to the Hotel d'Estrel. Excuse me, Uncle. I shall not go there, for I should not be admitted. I count on your not being admitted. You will carry a letter. Wait for the answer in the antechamber and bring it back to me. Very well," said Julien, thinking that he could stop at the porter's lodge. Where is the letter? Give me something to write with. Here," says Julien, opening the drawer of his table. The horticulturist sat down and wrote rapidly. Then he called Julien, who dissembled his impatience by removing his working jacket and putting on his coat, which he had dropped on a chair. Will you have a seal, he inquired. Not yet, I want you to correct my note. I don't pride myself on my knowledge, and I may have made mistakes in spelling. Read it over for me, read it aloud, and then correct it. periods, commas, and everything julien feeling that a trap was being set for him cast a rapid glance over the few lines which his uncle had written in a firm hand his head swam and he was very near tearing the paper in his indignation but he thought that he was being subjected to a test by that crabbed eccentric mortal he restrained his wrath met without flinching the ferociously searching gaze that was fixed upon him and read in a firm voice the contents of the note madame and friend we were so confused just now that we parted without making arrangements for to-morrow i do not conceal from you that i shall regard your presence at my little party as a fresh ground of hope and your refusal as a rupture or a regrettable delay of settlement I have told you that I did not propose to be fooled, and you promised to be sincere. The night brings counsel. I am sure that tomorrow you will confirm me in the pleasant thoughts you allowed me to take away from your presence. Your friend and servant, who is impatient to call himself your fiancé, Antoine Thierry. Well, queried the old man when Julien had finished reading, are there any mistakes? Yes, a great many, uncle, said Julienne, tranquilly taking the pen. Gently, I don't want her to see the corrections. Fix it neatly. It is done. Now seal it and write the address. Well, what do you say to that, continued the uncle, writing Madame Destrel's name on the envelope. Nothing, Replied Julienne. I don't believe in it. Will you believe in it if you deliver the letter? Yes. Then what will you say? Nothing. It's your affair. Damn, nation, you are interested in it, too. How so, please? The purchase of your house at Sèvres and its presentation to you depend on that letter. Very good, uncle. In that case, many thanks. You have an air. I have no air at all. Look at me. Antoine could not support Julien's piercing and fearless glance. Come, off with you. He said angrily take my letter i will go at once said julien he took up his hat where shall i bring you the reply in the street in front of the house where i will wait for you let us both go end of section fifteen